0: I'm glad this week came about because uh, when Christmas break happened as a parent and with kids, it just, things kind of got out of whack. One, the kids were home and and Jamie being teacher was home. And so I got, and if you're a parent, were you ever at a point where like, what day is it? Um, Like we were traveling so much, Wednesday night wasn't going on and, you know, different things were going and and I just got several times just thinking what, This this is Thursday, it's Friday, and so I'm glad things are getting back to normal uh, this week. Uh, more so, we're going to be kicking off Wednesday Night Live again this Wednesday. Just kind of reminder me in prayer about that and, and maybe how you can be involved in that, whether ministering or just being uh, fed and growing in a relationship. And, uh, but I'm just glad to be back to normalcy, or at least close to normal, I guess is the way it should be. Uh, and we're going to be doing that as well this morning as we open up the Word of God. And we're going to be turning back to our series on Joshua So if you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to make your way to Joshua chapter 1. And uh, we we began this series uh, several months back in a journey to promise in Joshua, and as as Joshua was given the reinforcement of his, of God's commands that was given to Moses, that was given to Joshua, and then again here in Joshua 1, God speaks to Joshua reinforcing those things about what Joshua is to be doing as he takes up the leadership of Israel and begins taking them into the promise of God, something that God had set into place uh, hundreds, thousands of years before this very moment even be, beca- began. And so uh, we see in Joshua chapter 1 where we're going to come now is Joshua begins to take his first action. Outside of l- hearing the word of God, he's going to be now taking the action into the journey of the promise. The narrative is, is switching. Uh, and the beginning of Joshua chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 is the narrative of God speaking to Joshua who is to speak to the people. And now it's going to turn to Joshua now speaking to the people and what God has told him. Uh, We are going to be switching kind of our focus as well as you can see a journey to promise is where we began for the next several weeks our focus is now going to be preparing for the promise and I think we all have spent time the last several weeks if not months preparing for different things going on in our life. We've prepared for Christmas gatherings, family gatherings, Christmas parties. As the new year came about, some of us prepared for, you know, starting new in 2019, maybe with a diet or workout or just, you know, maybe not so many types of foods at one sitting. I don't know, but we've all made different Preparations, And we do this throughout our life. We prepare to go back to school, prepare to go back to work, prepare for what the New Year is going to bring in those situations. Our students are preparing for tests and papers and projects that are now beginning to be bombarded upon them. We prepare when we go on vacation. Uh, some of us are already preparing for summer vacation and where we're going to go and how we're going to get there and what we're going to do uh, some of y'all probably took some wonderful family pictures at Christmas in which you prepared for. and You may have had the cute little, you know, Christmas pajama, Christmas picture where everyone dressed in the same pajamas or same sort of shirt or whatever. And if you didn't, hey, that's okay. Uh, don't feel like your family's messed up. You're probably more sane than the rest of us. But we prepare and we prepare for things in our life. But here is a reality that I've learned in my life, and I believe we all can relate to this. As much as we prepare in life for whatever's coming, whatever's going to happen, whatever we want to see come about. One thing that we tend to overlook frequently is preparing in our relationship with God. Just think about what you've prepared for this week. You've prepared for work. You've prepared for your kids to go back. You've prepared for certain conversations you're going to have or not have. How much of all your preparation has been in preparing for your relationship with God and what God is wanting to do in that relationship? For the next 10 weeks, we're going to be talking about preparing for the promise. And I think this is a great way to start 2019 is preparing and what God wants us to be doing on our side of this relationship to grow in this relationship, to mature in our relationship with God, to be the people God wants and needs us to be so we can be in the part of the promise that God wants and needs us to be a part of. In Joshua chapter 1, God has spoken to Joshua, and we begin in verse 10. Now Joshua is speaking to the people of Israel. We're in verse 10, we're gonna just read verse 10 and 11. And they're going to be our focus for the next uh, several weeks. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to go and to take possession of the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. Let's pray together uh, once again. Father, I come before you. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you. you have redeemed us, you have claimed us. In this moment, by your word, we come in to your presence through the blood of Jesus Christ as your children into the throne room of your grace, unworthy to be here. We are in the presence of the heavenly beings who are singing holy, holy, holy to you. And Father, we come before you and first ask for forgiveness for, for rushing into this. For not being aware of the almighty God that we are sitting in front of and in the presence of. For not fully being aware of the songs we've just lifted up to you and we've allowed to come out of our mouth. You are the resurrected king. You've done what no one else can do. But I thank you that you know each and every individual here. And so right now, I... I ask you just to move me out of the way because I can't speak what you need to speak to your children. I can't speak what you need to speak to the people here who are seeking after you, who have yet to acknowledge you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I submit to your will. I submit to your kingdom. It's work that is going to be done in this moment. I submit to your spirit, that it be your spirit that speak from me. That your Spirit in this moment open ears and eyes and soften hearts to hear your word and to apply your word. Father, I know you are preparing us for great things as people and as your church. I believe this morning is a message you want us all to hear so we can be where you need us to be. So not just that we can grow in knowing you, but that others can come to know you as we have. Father, forgive us if we made this place of worship cheap. Forgive us if we have not really been focused on you. You are holy, holy, holy. And worthy of our praise. Thank you, Lord, for accepting what little we have to give you. Lord, be our shepherd, and I pray that you just guide and lead us to where we need to be before we call this time to be done, and that you do the work that only you can do. And I thank you, Lord, for, again, allowing us to be here. I pray this all in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're leading up into this. This great event in Joshua, and I know many of you are reading through the Bible this year, and you've probably already gotten further along in Joshua than we have yet. And so you may uh, circle back and be back where we are here eventually. Joshua does two things this morning I want to focus on. He does more than two, but um, because I feel like, you know, maybe I shouldn't preach for an hour and a half. We're going to focus on two things this morning. So if you're a note taker, two things that Joshua does that we need to understand that he did and we need to apply it to our life before we leave here this morning. Two things that are important for us in preparing for what God wants to do for us individually. What he wants to do for you and for me and, and our marriage and your marriage and our family. What's he want, what he wants to do for uh, your co-workers. What he wants to do for his church, Harvest Hill. Two things this morning, Okay. What we see here in Joshua chapter 1 is God is delivered to Joshua. Joshua has had 30 days where he has heard God commanding him to be ready for the promise ahead, for the journey ahead. 30 days they've been mourning and God comes and reinforces what he has spoken to him already here in Joshua chapter 1. And in the midst of after speaking what God has spoken to Joshua, Joshua has a, a response he needs to do. A response that we have to have when it comes to hearing God speaking to our own hearts the first thing that Joshua does is after hearing the word of God, Joshua obeys the word of God. It is a very simple step, but a very difficult one sometimes in our own life. Joshua hears the word of God and then he obeys the word of God. If you look in chapter one, the Lord tells Joshua that he is to rise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. In order for Joshua to lead the people, God's people, he had to physically take Action. It was a small step that led to a huge result in his life and a huge result for the people that God was calling him to lead, a huge result in everybody's life. And there's many of us here this morning that have gotten into a rut. We've begun 2019 maybe with this this idea that we're going to change some things in our life. We've made resolutions and things like that, but we've already entered into 2019 where what? Six days in, and we've already begun to feel a rut, or we know that a rut may be coming. Maybe you're in a rut spiritually. Maybe you're in a rut mentally or emotionally, maybe financially. Maybe you realize you went a little overboard at Christmas, and now you're beginning to see those bills start to come in, and so you're feeling all this stuff coming on, all this overwhelming emotion, all this anxiety and stress, all this sorrow about what did I do. Maybe you're dealing with pain. Maybe you've come into 2019, and things from 2018 are still holding on to you and you've got bitterness growing in your heart you're allowing anger to build and what we see here in God's word the underlying cause and all this stuff that we carry with us is sin and the only reason sin is alive today is because of disobedience when we do the things that we know we should not do that is what the Bible defines as sin And so we may be here this morning because someone did a sinful act to us. We may be here this morning because we're having a sinful outlook on things going on in our life. Or we may be here in this moment and we're dealing with a sinful action that we have taken because of our sinful nature. All of the issues in this world, all the things we struggle with, all the worries, all the anxiety, all the stress, the anger, the hatred, all of it is rooted in sin. And we may want to give it another title and may want to define it in another way, which is fine if that makes you feel better. But we have to understand every problem that we have in this life is because of sin. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, it's all because of sin. And sin is the result of disobeying the word of God. And so we've got to come to this place. Joshua heard God speaking to him and now Joshua is left to this moment where he has to respond to the Word of God or disobey the Word of God. And what we see here in Joshua chapter 1 is after Joshua hears God speaking to him, Joshua obeys the Word of God, which leads to the remainder of this book. In Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is led by the Spirit to write to these believers and to list out the sinful emotions and actions and outlooks that we can wrestle with in this life because of sin, because of the fruit of the flesh. I want to read from the message paraphrase because I think the wording kind of gives us a better picture. But this is what Paul says, the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of sin results in our life. It says it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. And that's what sin does. It says that I'm right. I should do whatever I want to do, and God doesn't exactly know what he is doing. So I want to get my way. The result of that is repetitive, loveless, cheapless sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied once a brutal temple temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and Paul says, I could go on. Here's the thing. Sin is our problem. Sin is the problem. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible defines sin in James chapter 4, verse 17: that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him is, it is sin. Sin only has one result: death. That is the only thing sin can produce is death. Now, as children of God, as those who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, here's the promise we know. Sin cannot produce eternal death for us. The Bible says nothing can separate from the love of God. So sin can't produce eternal death. But what sin can do, and what we fail to recognize, is sin can produce a death in us which quenches the Holy Spirit not allowing the fruit of the Spirit to be manifested in our life, not allowing us to have the promises of God being revealed, this peace surpassing all understanding, this joy that abounds, this this, uh, unbelievable life that God has created us for, that's what sin can separate us from. Because we quench the power of the Spirit. Not from eternal life, but from the presence of God. We come to Joshua and we have to understand that Joshua is a free-willed individual. He has free will just like you and me. Just because his name is in the Bible doesn't mean he has it all figured out and he's St. Joshua or anything like that. He is a sinner just like us. God did not call him because he had it all figured out. He had free will, which means at this very moment, after God has given him the instructions, given him his word, Joshua has a choice to make. Where many of us have a choice when it comes to the word of God. Joshua has a choice that he can disobey the word of God and what God has spoken him to do and do what he thinks is best, or Joshua can submit and obey what God has spoken over him. What we do not find in the book of Joshua is Joshua doesn't enter into a bargaining or an excuse conversation like Moses did. Moses wanted someone else to speak for him because Moses felt he couldn't speak. Joshua never does that. We never see Joshua being like the prophet Jonah and running away from what God is calling him to do. Yeah, we have to understand Joshua had that choice. He's in the midst of this where God reveals what he wants Joshua to do. And Joshua has a decision to make like we all do when the word of God is revealed to us. I listen to it and I can either trust it or I can run from it. And after hearing the word of God, Joshua made the choice that he was going to obey it, which is what we're all called to do. The first step of our obedience may be a simple, small step, and that I come to the Word of God, and I've got to listen, and I've got to hear it. Sometimes, let's just be honest, we come to church, and we are not ready to hear what God wants to speak to us. I I believe, because I've, I've done it, I believe we all can do it. We can just get into the motion and the routine of worship. This is the time where the pastor speaks. This is time where he preaches. And we do what we know we should do or what we've done in the past with no expectation that God actually has something he wants to say to me personally. So we're not ready to hear. We're not ready to listen. And so maybe the first step for you this morning in order for you to obey the word of God is you've got to come with the expectation, you know what, I'm not just going to church. I'm going to praise the God who saved me from my sin, who's guaranteed my salvation. And I'm going into his presence and he loves me and he's going to speak something into my life so I can be transformed, to become more like him and fall more in love with him. Some of us were here this morning, the first thing we need to do is we simply need to stop and listen and hear, what is God wanting to say to me? What is he trying to tell me? But we can't just listen. We have to take what God speaks over us, and we have to put it into action. This is what James is pointing to in James chapter two. He says, "Also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead." Goes on in verse twenty-six: "Is the body apart from the spirit that is dead, so faith." Apart from works is dead. And what he's saying is that, you know, I can say I believe this. I can say I, I, I understand this. I, I, I believe this is the Word of God. I believe God is God. Jesus is the Son of God. He saved me. I can believe all that stuff. I believe it to be true. But until that manifests itself into action, it's not actually faith. It's mere words. So I'm simply saying that I believe in something, but I'm not actually showing that I believe in something. So my talk is cheap. It's dead. My faith is dead. It's not producing a faith that people can see. And maybe you're here this morning and you're in this spiritual fork in the road where you can become a listener or you can become a truster. And I want us to turn to, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. This verse has been sticking with me for the last several weeks, if not a month by now, and it just keeps coming to my mind. It's been something I've been meditating on for uh, just that period of time. And I believe this verse will unlock something this morning when it comes to not just hearing the Word of God, but obeying the Word of God. It comes out of Psalm verse chapter 37, verse 4. And here's one of my challenges this morning. I want to challenge us all to memorize this verse. If you have not set aside to begin memorizing Scripture, then start with this one, Okay. And and you'll understand why. Psalm 37, verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible tells us that we are loved, and we serve a God who knows the outcomes that we want in our life better than we know them. We serve a God and are loved by a God who knows what we want to see manifested in our life. He knows the desires of our heart better than we know them, and get this, He knows how they can come to fruition better than we can ever plan them into being. He knows all things. Our ways are not His ways, and His understanding is far beyond our own. That's the God we serve. That is the God that the Bible says is for us, not against us. And so when it comes to obedience, what we have to understand that God is for me, not against me, and God knows my desires, and He wants to manifest my desires, but it begins that I delight myself not that, Lord, please let my wife begin to have delight in You. No, that's not the prayer this morning. The prayer is, Lord, help me, Pastor Mike, delight in You. Because if I want to see a change in my marriage, if I want to see a change in my family, if I want to see a change in my workplace, if I want to see a change in my friends, in my community, then it begins with me delighting in God. It begins in me obeying God. The word delight there means to treat or gratify oneself with extreme or excessive indulgence. Delight yourself in the Lord. Gratify yourself with excessive indulgence in God. The focus is the Lord to indulge excessively in in His presence. Have we been doing that? Have we been indulging excessively in the presence and the Word of God? Because as God's people, we have something no other person on this planet has. We have access to Him. If you're like me, I can take advantage of it. I can think I actually deserve it. So I kind of get into the motions. That's what Israel does. They knew all the things they should do, and they began getting into the motions and began a, began a routine that there was no delight for God. They just felt they better keep up the standards that they felt they should do. They, they better keep their checklist up to date. But God says, delight in me, and I'll give the desires of your heart. The word desire there from the Hebrew in Psalm 37, 4 means beggings. The promise here is when we indulge ourselves in the presence of God, when we excessively pursue after Him and find delight in Him, which begins in His Word, He will provide our heart's beggings because when we desire after God, Here's our extreme joy. We begin to see our heart begin to be changed. So some of the desires we initially have begin to be transformed and become more aligned to God's desires, which are ultimately good. Because this is the battle we face. Even though we can make this commitment, Lord, I want to delight in you, I want you to be my utmost desire. The battle we all face, the same battle Joshua is facing in this moment when it comes to his obedience, is we all wrestle with the sinful nature. We all have it. All have sinned. The Bible says none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. No one does good. No, not even one. Our sinful nature on our own cannot delight in God because we are all corrupted by it. We all want to do what we feel is right. And so we have this battle going on. And the only way we can win the battle of our sinful nature is I have to get into the word of God to experience the presence of God and his loving voice speaking over my life. This is the only thing that can produce good in your and my life. The only thing. You go to the beginning when God created everything. At the very end, when he created it all, God saw everything that he made. And how did he make it? By his word. He spoke it. His word, that power. He saw everything that he made by his word and behold, it was very good. It is God's word in our life that can only produce the good that we want to see in our life. And good does not mean comfort. That doesn't mean it's always going to be rainbows and lollipops. Because we're always going to be battle with this sinful nature. So we're going to have internal battles and external battles, all because we're desiring after God. But the promise of God's Word is when I indulge lavishly in His presence, when I indulge lavishly into His Word, when I am excessive about it, that the desires of my heart will begin to be manifested. And this is the call of obedience. It's not that God is trying to hold us back. It's that God is trying to set us free. But that's the battle. That's the battle in the garden that happened. Did God really say? So we're all battling with this. If I I live this, if I'm obedient to this, then there's some things I'm not going to be able to do and I'm going to be held back. But that's not what God wants. He wants to set you free in the goodness and the glory of His presence. And it's that sin that holds you back. Back this last week, we had the New Year's Eve party here at the church, and, and we had the pizza and the chips and the dips and the soft drinks and the cookies and all sorts of things. All the things that we were gathering around the table and playing games saying that, you know what, tomorrow I'm not eating this. You know, we're not going to do this tomorrow. You know, it's all new in 2019 because I'm going to be a completely different person. My mindset going to be completely changed. I'm no longer going to desire pizza and, and chips and soft drinks. And how many of y'all made some sort of commitment like that? Tomorrow I'm gonna do better. And how many of y'all are still doing it? Some of y'all are like I didn't yeah, I just <laughs> <laughs> but we indulged. We were excessive about some of the things we were eating on that last day of two thousand eighteen because you know, our diets were gonna begin and joy was gonna end with food the next day, right? This is what God is calling us, though, to do, is to indulge in excessiveness in his presence. To go overboard with it. To, to walk out of his presence like, ugh. You know, God wants to feel you to be overflowing. Not just to the tip. He wants you to Overflow. He gives us everything we need right here. The voice that spoke everything into being has been written down for all eternity for us to simply open it up and hear the voice of a heavenly Father, the creator of the heavens and earth to speak personally to you and to me. Some of us it's just, we need to pray, God, change my heart because I am not delighting in your voice after God spoke everything and declared it very good, that word good there in Genesis means God looked at everything he spoke into being, everything his word had created, and it gave him an unspeakable joy and pure delight. That's what the word of God produced, an unspeakable joy and pure delight. That's what God's word produced wants to do in our life to produce an unspeakable joy and pure delight. Now, who here would say, don't sign me up for that, Pastor? I don't want any of that unspeakable joy or pure delight. See, that's why God's Word says, I have given you everything for godliness and life. That's why we can trust that God is for us, not against us. But that trust has to be manifested into action. When we hear the word of God, I then have to obey the word of God. Mark Batterson writes in his book, Whispers, Obeying God is our greatest joy. It is our highest privilege. Loving God with all of our strength certainly requires labor, but it should be a labor of love. The battle we're going to face right now is, is there something God has been telling us through his word that we should be doing in obedience that we're wrestling with? Because we're at this fork. I can remain a listener or I can become a truster. But the Bible tells us that when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things that we can be worrying about as we come into 2019, all these things will be given to you. They'll be that basically means they'll be taken care of. But it begins when my focus is in the right place. When my delight is in the right place. Because the danger for us, because of our sinful nature, is we can make our desires and delights become the God that we serve. Lowercase g. That'd be the thing we pursue after, the thing we think about all the time. And that becomes the things we become consumed with. And God knows this about us. That's why he gives us his word. That's why he speaks it over Joshua because he wants Joshua to delight in him because the desires of Joshua and the Israelites were to be in the promise. And that's where God wanted them to be. That's where he wants you and me to be. But it begins with the right focus. He has to be my delight. The Bible says, That Jesus came to do one thing, save us. But the ultimate saving is I came that they may have life. And not just eh, life, abundant life. That's God's desire for us. He wants us to have life that he created and not just live it, but have it abundantly. But everything that we desire in this moment, whatever we brought in this place, we have to realize we cannot do it on our own. The Bible tells us that apart from me, you can do nothing. So everything we desire to see happen in our marriage, in our families, with our kids, with the people in our our world, everything that we desire and we pray for, we can't do it. Unless we abide in the living word, Jesus Christ and God's spoken word to us. And we delight in it. The second thing Joshua did. Two things. That's it. Two things this morning. He heard the word of God and he obeyed it. God told him to arise. He arose. God told him to speak to the people. He spoke God's word to the people. The second thing after hearing the word of God is Joshua relays the word of God. He relays it. He proclaims it. In order for Joshua to obey the word of God, he had to first personally act on it. And then he had to personally proclaim it. So what are the benefits of Joshua proclaiming? You see there in verse 11, Joshua commands the officers. These would be people like, uh, these are not the priests. These are most likely the elders more uh, in in a uh, secular uh, sort of mindset that they were kind of over different tribes. I mean, we're talking about 600,000 plus men, fighting men. People between the age of 20 and 50 or 60 years of age. That doesn't include women or children, handicapped. You're talking about a group of over a million plus people that Joshua is now commanded to lead. And so he goes to these officers because he's divided out the responsibilities and they're to tell the people what God has told him. And so Joshua has to relay the word of God. He has to relay what God has spoken to him and what they're to be doing. And the first thing we see is that we are not called to hoard the word of God. God doesn't speak to us on Sunday morning. He doesn't speak to us through his word throughout the week so we can keep it to ourselves and be like, oh, that's good, thank you. We're to share it. If you go out to eat and you eat at a new restaurant and it is the best food you've ever had, do you tell anybody about it? Oh, man, you've got to try this place, right? And so that's what we're supposed to do with the word of God. Oh, you've got to hear this promise. The second thing is when God speaks his word over Joshua and when he speaks his word over our life, his truth, it calls us to action. And so when we are called to action, because we all wrestle with this sinful nature we all have, when we proclaim what God has spoken over to us, what it does is create a level of accountability. We create a spiritual support group. When Joshua speaks to the people that it is time to move, we're going to cross over this Jordan in three days, tell everybody we're going. What Joshua is doing is not just relaying the promise of God, but he's telling the people this is what God has spoken to me, and this is what we're going to do, and you're to keep me accountable. If you jump down to verse 16, they answered Joshua, All that you've commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord Lord your God be with you as He was with Moses. And whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, because they knew Joshua's commands and words were coming from God, they said, "Whoever obeys you disobe- or disobeys you disobeys God." We and disobeys whatever you command, we shall put them to death. Only be strong and courageous. And so what Joshua does is this beautiful thing that I think if we could grab in 2019 this is going to dramatically change our life is he hears the word of God and then he announces the word of God to the people of God and they can keep him accountable to that word to the point of death See when God speaks to us but maybe doing something or stop doing something and we just keep it to ourselves there's no accountability But if God is calling us to start a ministry, go on a mission trip, go into the the pastorate, start being involved in some ministry at the church, maybe to stop doing some sort of habit, and we come and we have to announce that or we announce that, that word that God has spoken to us to other people, builds this level of accountability because not only can they come alongside us for the sake of our transformation and sanctification, but they can be praying for us. They can ask us in love, how's that going? They can ask us, what are we doing to continue to pursue after what God has already spoken? It may be something we read over so easily, but this is what Joshua does in this moment. He calls a nation of a million plus people to keep him accountable to the word of God by pronouncing it out loud. You may be here this morning, and this is exactly what you need to do. As God has spoken over your life, He has spoken over your heart, something that needs to stop or something that needs to start. And you keep falling down and you keep failing, and you're wondering, why in the world can't I just do this? The reality is you may not be able to do it or you're probably not able to do it is because you are keeping it to yourself and you're not inviting people into your life to keep you accountable to the word that God has spoken over you. And so you're stuck. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 that two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him is alone when he falls and he has not another to lift him up. Again, if, Two live together, they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The greatest growth periods in my life, and let me just speak, this is just personal. In my life, the greatest growth periods in my life is when I have invited people into my life, shared what God is doing or what God is calling me to, and they can keep me accountable to that and pray over me about that. Those have been the greatest growth periods in my life. Now the exact opposite. The greatest setback spiritually in my life is when I have secluded myself and I have not shared what God is calling me to do because I'm scared of what people may think, how they may judge me, or or they may be better than me. And I become so focused on that that I have no delight in God's word that he has spoken to me that I disobey it. God's word calls us to this beautiful place called a church, his bride, to be a family. Not so we can sit in our seats and we can leave, but so that we can share our lives and we can announce what God has spoken to us so we can rally around one another and continue to be transformed more into his likeness. I love animal documentaries. Anybody love animal planet, animal documentaries? Especially the ones where the, the, the hunter, you know, Oh, hundreds of the Serengeti, yeah. I mean, I just, I love, I love watching, and Ethan and I have watched several of those and um, don't think poorly of him because I make him watch them when they're on, but... I watch those shows, and I'm so fascinated about, you know, the predator and the prey, right? And I almost want to bring out like a Steve Irwin voice to it, but the predator and the prey, and it's going on, you're watching is the cheetah or the lion or the leopard or whatever is crawling through the fields, and he's sneaking up on the elk or the poor little deer or whatever it is. And you always notice, if you're familiar with these shows, that the predator always goes after the weakest or the animal that is secluded from the herd. You notice that? They don't jump in the midst of the herd. That that risks their own life and reputation. But they will go after the one that gets separated from the herd or appears to be weakest. The Bible says your adversary the devil prowls like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy your life. He wants to devour you like a lion does to his prey. So if he can get you and me to seclude ourselves from our brothers and sisters in Christ, he's got us exactly where he wants us to destroy us. And this is the temptation he has thrown out so many Christians today. I can't share my life. I can't open up about my struggles because obviously everyone else has it figured out. Obviously everyone else doesn't have marriage problems. Obviously, everyone else's kids are holier than thou. Obviously, everyone else has never dealt with a financial issue. Obviously, everyone else has never had health issues or people in their family that they don't know that are saved or doing things outside of God's will. Obviously, no one struggles with that. So I'm just going to keep it to myself. Obviously, no one is struggling with this addiction that I've got. Obviously, no one is struggling with the words that I say that I know I shouldn't say. So I keep it to myself. I seclude myself. And I put myself in a place where Satan wants me to be. So he can devour me. Families don't get broken apart because families stay together. They get broken apart because someone in that family begins to seclude themselves and do things. In the darkness. Satan wants to devour you. He wants to devour your family. He wants to devour your co-workers. This morning, you may be here this morning and God has spoken something over your life you've been wrestling with and you've been struggling with. Maybe it's to do something or to stop doing something and you just kept that to yourself because you know what if i say something man what are people going to think and satan is keeping you in that place of seclusion would you be willing to pronounce it i'm a sinner saved by grace but brothers and sisters christ i am struggling I'm so thankful that God has given me my helper. And, man, maybe this is where we need to turn to. Not You don't turn to my helper. You turn to your helper. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Right, Charlie? That's right. <laughs> but someone I can turn to in those times where I try to seclude myself, that God doesn't let me in, and it comes to a revelation, which is a very heartbreaking time. But it's for my good. God spoke, and he saw everything that he spoke, and it was very good. So everything God is speaking over your life and into your heart right now is meant for your good, your utmost pleasure. Are we going to trust him? A couple months ago, uh, Terry, can I talk about you for a second? It uh, It'll be all good, all good. Terry came to me and said, you know what, guys, put something on my heart that I would like for you to join with me in prayer. I'm sure you shared it with Larry before you shared it with Pastor Mike, because helpers, right? Um, and so I feel like, you know, leading me to start this ministry to help people who are going through difficult times. And, and uh, I know how that can be a difficult thing. And so I said, yeah, I'll definitely pray for you, and we'll pray together about that. And and uh, just kind of checked in every now and then about it, how it was going. And eventually she, she came to me one Sunday and said, you know, okay. He said, this is it. This is what we got to do. And, and, and as she said that, I said, great. When do you want to start? And let's announce it. And the reason wasn't just to fill our, our newsletter or to fill our announcement time with more things going on. The reason was it kept Terry accountable to what God had placed in her heart because she was, she was wrestling with that and struggling with it because that was something she had never done before. And there's fear there, which faith, you know, that's what Satan does. He brings fear when faith is calling us out. And so we announced it on Sunday morning. We put it on Facebook. And the next text I get from Terry is like, all right, well, I guess it's official now. There's no backing out. It's out there. That's what announcing does. It invites people to come in and keep us accountable to what God has spoken over us for our good so we follow through and aren't just listeners but are trusters. It raises the level of accountability. What if we don't do this? Because that's where we, I think... That's where I am sometimes. Okay, if I do it, I see, but, you know, it's so easy not to because sometimes that's just what I've gotten accustomed to doing. So what if I don't do this? Well, let's just look at Joshua for a second. What if Joshua didn't obey and didn't pronounce? Well, if he would have gone on with the mission, Joshua would have been doing it under his own power, which would have been impossible. The Israelites had already tried to go into the land when God had not gone with them, and it did not end well. been impossible. So he would have been defeated and lived in defeat. If Joshua heard what God was speaking over his life and decided, you know what? This Jordan River is a pretty nice view. I think this is good for now. Then he would have sat where he was not supposed to be and missed into the promise where God wanted him to be. And maybe that's where you are right now. Satan is trying to keep you in one spot, but God is calling you to another spot, and you can completely disobey God, and you can just remain where you are, and you can miss out on all the blessings that God is, have, has waiting for you on the other side. Or you can take the stuff that God has told you to get rid of, and you can take it into the promise And you may see some good things, but it'll most likely end up in disaster because it'll be under your own power. So is there something here this morning that God has been speaking to us that we need just to announce? Maybe you need to take a baby step. I'm not asking you, oh, you know, you want to move by the Spirit and have a confession time? Let's do it. But maybe you just need to turn to the person to your right or to your left and just open your life up to them. Hey, I'm struggling with, or I feel God is calling me to. Maybe you just need to start there. Maybe, as Jason shared about, we have small groups. Maybe you need to start with your small group. Maybe you do need to announce it to your church. I don't know, but all I know is when God speaks something in our life, it is for our good, and it's for where God wants us to be. He's not trying to hold us back. God has called me to be the pastor here, and there's been some announcements I've made I want to continue to make. Uh, And I make these not like just to make announcements, but I make these, to keep us accountable as God's people. This is what I believe God wants us to do as a church. As a church, I believe God wants us to have a sign that says Harvest Hill. <laughs> Why? I, I've, we've been in Stratford for a couple years and I still run into people that say, I didn't realize that was a church. And so it's not for the sake of harvest still it's for the sake of the gospel that we want to get spread out there and for people to hear that they know where they can hear the gospel but here's the thing it's going to cost about eight thousand dollars we have about five thousand set aside just found out about an hour ago it's almost up to six i believe god wants us to pay for it in full And I'm announcing that, not to say, well, you know, get your checkbooks out and start writing checks or dishing out money. I'm writing that for myself as well in our family. I need to be praying, okay, God, what do you want me to give? Do you want me to give my tax return? It's yours anyway. You want me to give so much? It's yours anyway. But i got to be seeking after what he's trying to speak over me so I can hear it. This building. We owe money on this building. I believe that we are doing a disservice to the mission that God has called Harvest Hill as we continue to have this loan and continue to send out thousands of dollars every single year to pay for it. I believe we need to pay this building off. We paid off over $50,000 just last year on this loan in this building. That's awesome. We serve the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He paves his streets in gold. He builds mansions for his children simply because he can. He provides all things. I want to challenge you right now to be praying for God to reveal to you how he wants to use you in getting this church out of debt so we can do even greater things we've already done. I believe our God can do what he did with the tabernacle in the Old Testament that when all of God's people get focused on delighting in Him and seeing what God wants to do, there will come a point I'm going to stand behind this pulpit and I'm going to say, stop giving because we've got too much. That's what Moses had to do with the tabernacle. He had to tell the people to stop bringing in the gold and the silver and the purple and the cloth because there was too much. Do you believe our God can do it again? I do. But He's going to call for us to trust Him. And some of y'all are here and like, well, you know what? I wasn't here when we took out a loan on this building. I wasn't here when we decided we're going to do something with that sign. You know what? I wasn't either. But this is where God has called me to be and to be a part of this mission. So maybe five, maybe 10, maybe 20. You may have to say, you know what? 2019 is the year of no coffee and everything I spend on coffee, going to this. We'll pray for your headaches, but we'll thank your offering and (laughs) tithes. I don't know but let's be a people who are hearing God trying to speak to us. Let's obey it. In those moments when we are struggling with the faith and we want to seclude ourselves, we are pronouncing it and announcing it to people that God has placed around us who who love us so they can keep us accountable to it. The other role is not just to announce things uh, that are going on, but also to say there are people here right now who are still in their sin. There are people in this room right now that are still in sin. And Satan feeds a lot of people, you know, I go to church. I'm a good person. So he's not talking about me. And there's a lot of people that are going to die in that belief And Jesus is going to look at him and say, I never knew you. And I fear there's been so many invitations at churches throughout the years, and there have been ministers, lay leaders, deacons, elders, even pastors, that have heard an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they were too concerned about what other people may think that they didn't. And you may have been here for years, and that's exactly where you are. You're too worried about what other people may think if you walk down the aisle and say, I want Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. I want to be saved. And so you remained in your sin. God has spoken his truth over your life, and you've chosen to disobey. Because if we serve a God of mercy and a God of grace and a God who's faithful, he brings you back every single week for this moment right here. God has created you. Not, not Joe Schmo next to you. Sorry, Joe. God has created you for a relationship with Him. Created you. And your relationship with God is not based upon your parents, your grandparents, your husband, your wife, your kids. It's based upon your relationship with God. And right now, it is your sin that is separating you from God for eternity. Eternity. Just think about that for a moment. We just celebrated getting over a year. We're talking about eternity, people. Yet God brings you to this moment to invite you into a relationship with Him, knowing that it's not by anything I can do, but everything he has already done for me through Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sin, they placed him in the tomb, but he rose three days later that I might be completely forgiven simply by placing my faith and trust in him. And you may be here this morning and that's exactly what you need to do. You need to accept Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he paid our price in full. And everyone who believes in him and confesses with their mouth will be saved. My question this morning, has God been speaking over your life, over your heart, his voice, to enter in a relationship with him through Jesus Christ? And you've just been disobedient. Every Sunday as we come to this time of invitation. And it's time to change. If you are, Jackson's going to come and lead us. I'm going to be standing right here. He's going to come down and say, Pastor Mike, I'm going to be saved. I want Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and you've already done that, and you know you're secure in your salvation. But you also know there's some things that God has been telling you to do that you've not been obedient to. And maybe you just need to come and kneel before the Father and repent. Maybe you need to grab somebody sitting next to you and share with them. Maybe you need to come up and share with the church. I don't know, that we can pray over you. But now is the time to respond. Let us be not just hearers of his word, but doers of it. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for calling us to something greater than ourselves. And Lord, thank you that it is not in our ability to do what needs to be done. But you have given us everything we need in this moment. You've opened the aisles. You've opened the hearts and the ears. You've spoken to your children, and even though some of us may have felt rebuked and disciplined, Father, your word promises us you do that in our life and our hearts because you love us, and you you know what's best for us. I pray for myself in this moment that you just give me a heart that delights in you alone. I don't care if 2019 is the year of financial wealth, promotions, whatever. Lord, let 2019 be the year that my heart delights after you alone because I know when my heart delights after you, all these things I can worry about, all these things that get out of whack will fall into place. pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, I know every single week we gather in this place in your name and have your word spoken over us. And every single week we have the opportunity to respond. We have the opportunity to walk out. And I know there are brothers and sisters in Christ in this moment that are struggling with being obedient. They're struggling with responding to what you've spoken over their life. They're, they're allowing Satan to keep them stuck in fear keep them secluded so they can devour them. Father, your loving voice is calling them out into the light. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. I rebuke whatever Satan is trying to do. And I pray that your spirit will give them the peace that surpasses all understanding and the courage to come up and let it be known that they're going to trust you. They're going to follow you. And they're going to invite people in their life to keep them accountable to what you've laid upon them. Lord, forgive me if I failed you in any way. And if anything I said has not been your word, Lord, just take it from our mind. Let your spirit continue to move, come before you through song. Come before you to respond. Pray for those here this morning that you're pulling out, wanting to adopt them as your own. Pray that their heart in this moment will be so overwhelmed with your presence and your love that they can't stay where they are and they don't care what anybody else thinks. Let us respond in this moment, let us trust you, proclaim you. Praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen. I invite you to come, I invite you to stay.